It sounds like you do a lot as well, but can you just let people know how many hours a week you would work on average? 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week. And you spend the rest of the time doing what? Surf every day. I spend a lot of time with my family. Yep. I cook. I watch Netflix from time to time. I, I read books. We go for walks. That's amazing. Basically, it's, it's amazing how you can fill a day with nothing. <laughs> but- <laughs> I love it. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schrafka here and welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 760 and we're doing something different in this episode. As you've heard me talk about in previous episodes, I want to get away from the straight up you know, guest interview where people are coming along to sell their stuff. And I want to do more solo episodes and other interesting projects and something just came along that I thought might be interesting. I have a long-term client, Greg Merrill. He's a lovely guy. He came to me, was doing quite well with his business, but he's doing way better now. He's been a long-term Silver Circle member, and he's putting together a book because he's got a design service. And he wanted to interview me as part of his book as a case study in terms of what good design and marketing has happened as a result of his services for my business. And in the process of that interview, he really went deep into my business, where it started, where it is now, where it's going. And along that storytelling of me sharing the case study, a lot of things came out that I probably haven't ever talked about. Some of the early background things, some of the influences I had in terms of brand guidelines and marketing. So you'll get a little bit of a design angle on this podcast. It'll definitely introduce you to my story if you're not familiar with it. And you'll know what I'm doing next after we get past the current phase of business. And I've got a few exciting things in place. So tune in as Greg Merrilies from studioondesign.com interviews me and uh, we see what happens. By the way, if you like this episode, hit reply to the email that told you about it or let us know on the podcast. If you don't like it, then sure, let me know as well. And uh, we'll steer clear of this kind of thing in the future. It is an experiment. I want to do something a little bit deeper. This is definitely more personal. It's sharing uh, things that in some cases I've held on to a little bit. But here it is, all uh, ready for you to enjoy. This is episode 760, and it's fully transcribed over at superfastbusiness.com as well. All right, so I'd like to welcome James Shramko from superfastbusiness.com, silvercircle.com, superfastresults.com, and what else is there, James? Oh, author of Work Less, Make More. Yeah, which is a sensational book, highly recommended. And so, yeah, first, James, give us an overview of what your business looks like today. Uh, So, Greg, my business is all online, except for very, very small offline portion. I run a once a year event for my members of my community. And I run a once a year mastermind or experience in the Maldives in a typical year. But everything else is online. I basically coach online businesses through the various levels that you just mentioned. And it's sort of generally I work with people who are already doing something and then I help them sort of do the right things and improve what they're doing. And it usually falls over four different categories. And um, I've found through, you know, constant refinement of my systems and processes that you get results with the right type of candidates. And in terms of routine and structure, I have a team overseas, a very small team who work for me full time. I have independent contractors to come in and do specialized jobs when we need them. And design would be a great example of that. 
And uh, my customers are located all around the world. So uh, I think about 65% of my audience are outside Australia where I live most of the time. I do spend some time in the Philippines. And um, it's been going for over 10 years. So it's a very stable and established business. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, your business has evolved a lot over the years since you started. How long ago was that? 10 years ago, roughly? I started my business. So technically, I registered a domain in 2005 and I started at the end of 2005 to try and figure out how to build a website. And uh, I initially seeded my company by selling some sales training, offline sales training. And I used the money that I invoiced for that to buy a laptop. And it was with that laptop that I built my online business. And it was a pretty slow start. But I was up and running to the point where in 2008, around about July 2008, I was able to quit my general manager's role because I was running a Mercedes-Benz dealership. And I had a pretty good salary, but I needed to be able to match my salary until I quit my job. And I was able to do that. And uh, from then on, I've never looked back. It's amazing. Yeah. And that journey. So going from building websites to now coaching some of the world's top you know, online businesses, what was the journey in between? How did you go from that to coaching? I already brought to the table my business skills. So I was a general manager. I had advanced skills in terms of hiring, training, and running a team. I had 72 staff when I quit my job. I already had experience running multi-million dollar businesses. The last business was doing around $50 million a year. And my job before that, we were doing $100 million a year. I'd already worked with big brands like Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Vodafone, General Motors. And I'd also worked in you know micro businesses, small businesses like my grandfather's brokerage out in a shed out the back of his house. So I had a lot of experience in the general business sense, but it was really an evolution of me just learning the online stuff enough to be able to figure out how it works. I had early successes with search engine optimization and with website creation, even though I'm not a coder and I'm not a technical sort of geeky guy. I was able to just pragmatically understand what's happening. And then through an evolution of uh, helping myself and then helping others with those two things, I was able to build up some teams. I built up a website development business. I built up a search engine optimization business. And uh, later on, I sold those businesses. And in the meantime, I had this community where it started off fairly small, I think 65 members for my main community. And I had about... Uh, I had one or two mentoring students that turned into sort of half a dozen or 10 or 20 higher level students. And over time, those two levels sort of grew. And then uh, I managed to convert some of those just through a natural organic process into business partners. So I have a little portfolio now of around a dozen business partners and I help them grow their business. And I've started adding things like the book and Audible and some courses that can help me reach people who aren't quite ready for the full-on coaching yet. And so you have various you know, levels of businesses that you help, but how do you attract businesses to your business? I'd say we're pretty content marketing heavy. In the early days, I tried all sorts of things. You know, I was actually a super affiliate. Before I quit my job, I used to drive a lot of traffic to offers. So I was really good with paid traffic and landing pages and uh, copy and things that would help convert. I, I really cut my teeth on that stuff. I used to build my own websites and run all my marketing campaigns. And shockingly, I even did all my own graphics and designs and uh, did all my search engine optimization and all my email writing and basically did every single thing in my business. And then I hired a support person and then I hired a content person 
And then over time, I hired people to help me with the website. And then I went out as I could afford it to get professional level things such as API, software, coding, design, and then professional writing. So these things added on later as my business matured. But in terms of traffic, I've been podcasting for a long time. That's been a steady source of leads for me. And I've more recently in the last few years, and I certainly did this a long time ago and then stopped and then started again, is is short video marketing out there on the social platforms bringing people uh, some awareness to what I do. And then, of course, the book is working well, and I use Amazon as a prime distribution awareness zone there. It's very common for someone to see my book recommended when they purchase another book, and they will buy the book, and then they'll get to know me that way, and they come through into my programs. So there's different ways that people become aware of me. And also in the past, I've done some speaking appearances It's varied in terms of frequency over the years. I do some guesting appearances. And now we're even doing some paid traffic, but mostly to warm audiences, remarketing to people who might have visited my site just to help the conversion process. But I do get a lot of referrals. And the other thing, luckily, for my business model is because it's predominantly recurring, a lot of people just stick around. So I have a very strong core base of people who I've had for a long time. And because they don't leave, I'm not constantly scraping around for new customers to replace them. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think you call that the octopus where you've got tentacles out on every platform, but yeah. you're also famous for own the race course, right? Yeah. So can you just talk a little bit about that? It's about ownership and control. Yeah. It's like some people build their whole business on someone else's platform. You know, they might be a YouTube celebrity. They might have a big Facebook fan page. uh, They might be an Instagram influencer. They might be a, a podcaster. And these can be great while they work, but sometimes we see, you know, the platform makes a change or they don't like a type of topic anymore. Or there's just uh, issues in terms of control where things you know aren't able to be done. Like, for example, if you were to run a membership group on Facebook, you can't automatically add people as they get billed and remove them, and you're not able to access all their data. And like Facebook have certain criteria around what the users can and can't do, and you don't have much say in that. And the big risk, of course, is that it just disappears. So I always thought it was more wise to build your own asset where you have a lot of control and bring people to that use those other channels, use your YouTube video channel, use your podcast, use your Instagram channel, use your Facebook page to get people on the other platforms. And that's like putting your racehorse out at other people's racetracks to win races, but you bring them all back to your race course where you get to have a say in it and you can control your pricing, you can control the customer experience. And most importantly, you can control the messaging and the marketing and the branding. The thing I really don't like about being on other people's platforms is generally they control the monetization of it. And and that usually involves ads and then marketing to your customers and diluting the experience. So I have a much more pure, controllable experience on my own website. Yeah. And your website, you know, superfastbusiness.com is really your main hub where you house all this content. And from all these other channels, you're bringing people back to your, you know, your website and your podcast hosted on your website as well so that website has evolved a lot over the years and then I know you said you know you did it all yourself initially but then what was the turning point or uh, is it an income level or a mindset why was it that at some point you decided to invest in others to take it to the next level Uh, it was both of those things yeah you know when I started I I wouldn't even spend money on an ebook for 30 something dollars (laughs) pretty stubborn and I wanted to try and figure this out myself and I would say the older version of me would be the kind of person who just 
even though they knew it was a bit painful, I just had to do it anyway. And there's some people who are that sort of stubborn. And because I'm fairly hands-on, it's how I like to learn. Like, just give me all the bits and let me figure it out. I would rarely read an instruction manual for anything that I buy. You know, basically just put it aside, throw out the box, and then start playing with the thing. That's how I operate. Over time, I've learned to refer to the instruction manual from time to time. And even beyond that, I might get someone else to go through it and then set it all up for me and show me exactly what it can do. And and I found that's quite powerful. It sort of reminded me of when I was in charge of the Mercedes-Benz dealership. I knew everything about the car. And I'd say most customers only know a fraction of what the car is capable of or what it can do little tricks and knickknacks that you get to know if you really go a bit deeper into it. Like being able to close all the windows by holding the remote control down, you know, and the sunroof at a distance, those sort of things. A lot of owners wouldn't know those tricks, you know, how to reset a boot or a trunk if it doesn't go up or down automatically, those sort of things. So over time, I mean, in the beginning, of course, I wasn't making any money. So I didn't have any money to reinvest in it unless I was going to dip into my wage or or some other income source. So I think this is a very common affliction. That's why I'm very keen for people to focus on the offer that converts. And that is what can they provide for sale that someone would actually give them money for And then the mindset part comes in, you know, are you willing to reinvest some of that back into the business to grow it faster than if you take all the money out and, you know, you take longer for it to grow? So when I reinvested in the support person, that was definitely a mental exercise because I calculated how many bonus claims people were making, how my business model worked back then as an affiliate. I was selling someone else's software. And every time they bought it from me, they would claim a bonus from me. And I would manually have to check an email, send them the bonus, log them into my system. And I was doing like several a day. And then I realized I could pay someone like $1,000 a month and never have to do this again. And that was good. So that was a case of something I was doing that I shouldn't be doing, not because I wasn't good at it, but because it just didn't make sense. But then I started running into other areas where I'm not even that good at it. I have to say I'm not a very good designer. I certainly would not have classified myself as someone who was creative or even understood what design meant to any major extent. And Over time and definitely being exposed to you and the outputs, I think I've gained much more sensitivity to design, not just from the traditional way that people enter it in terms of the looks of things, but definitely more in terms of the way things work and the user experience and the flow and the functionality. And, you know, I've researched people like Steve Jobs at Apple and and some of the things that influenced him in terms of design and then looking at different cultures like the Japanese things and having worked for an engineering heavy company like Mercedes-Benz, I got to see, you know, the difference in things, the way they were made, made a difference in the user experience and how people felt about their company. And what I discovered is a definite link between having a premium brand positioning and making it look and feel like a premium brand would change the perception and therefore the amount that someone would pay. And it also made me feel better about the experience too, because people were investing more in themselves. It allowed me to take that motivation to really deliver. And I would say uh, my premium brand, Silver Circle, has very much ended up like AMG would be for Mercedes-Benz. You know, Mercedes-Benz is often referred to as a three-pointed star and its brand values, uh, engineering excellence and extremely well-made and stylish and good-looking and desirable. 
and uh, their colour palette even being black and silver and clean and, and efficient, but not as bland and boring as, say, brands like Audi. I think Silver Circle has ended up being, a, you know, like a three-pointed star, but it's, you know, it's a silver circle. It's a very simple brand. It's a clean and efficient looking brand, but it also delivers a high output result. It's not braggy or showy or flashy like a Ferrari. Yeah. It's not quirky and weird and funny like a Renault <laughs> or a Citroen. Yep. It's just dependable, reliable, high output, value for money at the high end of town. And you know, I can really see how things have translated over time. And when I think back to it was about the year 2001, I went off to a dealer principal training camp. It was for future leaders. And one of the people I, I learned a lot from was the guy who was in charge of the Mercedes-Benz brand globally. He used wow. to run the motor shows and he ended up becoming the CEO of Australasia. And his session was really powerful. I think it's the first time I understood the connection between engineering a brand and getting the output to match. Whereas before I'd just been slapping things together. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And so, I mean, with all of your websites, you've invested in them, like overall, has it resulted in more sales, would you say, or more leads or more traffic or more opportunities? Most definitely. As I've improved my designs and lifted the brand perception, and of course, you've got to back them up with results and performance. You know, you can have a flashy brand, but then it can fall flat if you don't deliver. Like the market is savvy. They will find out. People are more intelligent than marketers give them credit for. So, you know, the caveat that you have to be able to match the brand value you choose. If you want to go for a Rolls-Royce, you know, Bentley level brand, you would have to deliver a, an experience that would be akin to what you would expect. So yeah, right. my second last job, I was sent to a brand new Mercedes-Benz dealership. It was the most expensive Mercedes-Benz dealership construction in Australia by a long margin at the time. And they nicknamed it the Taj Mahal. It was so fancy. It had marble and it was tall ceilings and it was, you know, really amazing, lots of glass. And what I noticed was on our customer satisfaction scores, when I started there, the problem they were having was they had the lowest score in Australia for customer satisfaction. Wow. And I'm like, how could this be possible? It's such a beautiful place. And then I realized the expectation of the customer, the promise being made visually when they walked in was so high. And then when the delivery of the performance was not meeting that, they got absolutely caned on their performance. And then my next job after this, I went to one of the most rundown ramshackle places. They were in a rented premises that had pink walls with water-stained <laughs> marks on the ceiling. Like it was a temporary place while they were building a new dealership. Yep. So it was probably quite comfortably the worst facility in Australia. Mm. And the customer satisfaction scores were actually pretty good. You know? yeah. And again, it was this reinforcement of expectation was very low Yeah, and it was easy to exceed the expectations. So a few points here. If you're going to up your brand and design and you can deliver the result to match, then overall you'll be able to charge more. Yes. You will attract better customers and you'll attract better staff and team members mm. and you'll attract better suppliers and you'll be held up in a higher position by your peers and yep. you know out there in the marketplace. And I would say having a consistent brand over many years with uh, reliable performance and getting only good recommendations, yes, 
it's definitely paid off for me to reinvest in my brands. And it's really one of the first things I do now when I have a new business. And I've started two new businesses this year. And one of the very first things we did is improve the brand. We had a nice logo and design. And coming from Mercedes-Benz, you know, I'm really familiar with brand guidelines and why you need to get clear on like what's the personality of your company? Like who is it trying to be? What's the promise being made? They were so fussy with brand guidelines. They would come out to our dealership with a paint micrometer or whatever they call this tool and check the color of the blue on the poles out the front of the dealership. Oh, really? It wasn't the exact right color. They would take money from your bonus payment. And, you know, if you ever published anything, it had to go through head office for approval in terms of the spacing between the star and the name and the font, the hyphens, every single piece of material from newspapers through to sign writing on the window had to be approved by head office or there would be heavy penalties. So that's why companies like Mercedes-Benz have such brand integrity because they enforce it. So even though we're a tiny company, we want to have brand integrity. That's why we've asked you to provide us things like um, when we do lead magnets, we've asked for a standardized lead magnet layout that we can use each time so that we have a, a consistent look and feel with our audience. That's why we want to use you know, the current updated version of our logo on every single piece of material and get rid of any old instances of it anywhere possible so that it's a standard, consistent look and feel that our clients expect from us and feel comfortable with. And in times of difficulty, when the market goes into turmoil, they will move very strongly towards brands that have a reliable and trustworthy and safe reputation versus a risky, flighty, unknown or constantly changing brand, which is pretty much a common thing in the online space. It is. People change like on a seasonal basis and it does not build trust. It erodes trust and that's why they churn customers. I couldn't agree more. I think the last time we redesigned Silver Circle was like four or five years ago and now we've just done it recently and that's probably when we'll design it again, you know? It's a very stable, consistent brand and Mm. you don't need to change stuff. If you were to have a look at some of the top end brands of anything from whiskey through to watch like take Rolex, a Rolex Daytona has more or less stayed core for a long time. There's been slight changes to the bezel or the band, but the essence of the product is very similar. And even the, you would say the changes to Silver Circle would be more of a evolution than a revolution. And I I think that's a good distinction because sometimes you need a revolution. If your brand's shit, you need to have a revolution. You need to just like level up, wholesale level up, out with the old, in with the, like tip it, the whole thing out. If it's going well and performing, you want to just evolve it. And I'd say, you know, super fast business is an interesting one because originally I used to run a brand called Internet Marketing Speed. And as my brand matured and grew up out of the internet marketing space and more into the general business space, it was time to wrap all of my websites up because I had a lot of websites. I had buywithbonus.com. I had Internet Marketing Speed. I had Fast Web Formula. I had ATL Web, Super Fast Websites. SEO Partner, Link Juice. So all of these websites, I ended up just rolling them up into one website, 
with the exception of Silver Circle at the time, because that's a premium brand and it needs to sit separately. And it's interesting to note that AMG now have their own showrooms separate from the Mercedes-Benz one. So ah, it's really? worth sometimes separating out a brand. Strategically, it can make a lot of sense. Toyota do it with Lexus. You know, they've got Toyota and then they've got their luxury export US division, aka Lexus. There's a separate brand with a premium positioning because you're not going to get someone to pay a premium for Toyota. You have to brand it differently to get that premium. Yeah. And yeah, since I consolidated, super fast business just made sense. And over time, uh, yeah, it was a bit scrappy in the beginning. And then it, and as we just improve it, and then as you make other investments, such as, and importantly, sales copy. Yeah. You know, the words on your page are still vitally important because at the end of the day, if you only had a white page with black words, that will sell more than a beautiful design that has no words. Totally. Like ultimately. So the words are still super important, but as you invest more into your sales copy and it does cost money for good sales copy, you should leverage that copy with the right look and feel and brand perception. And by combining those things with consistency and results. So now we've got like four ingredients here. Great design, great copy, being very consistent and not shocking your audience and then delivering on all the promises. You've got a recipe for a really valuable business. Exactly. And that's what the main changes are on both those sides, putting more case studies into them and showing that you get really good results for people. So it upholds those brand values. And so just speaking of results, if you could think about a customer that you've helped, what's one of uh, a mini case study or a really good result that you've had from uh, just one of your customers? Ryan Levesque went from $1 million to $10 million per year revenue while I was coaching him. Wow. There you go. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Ezra Firestone, he went from uh, maybe a couple of hundred thousand a year to $35 million a year while I was coaching him. Still am coaching him. Yep. And you're my coach and you've helped my business go from six figures to seven figures, which is incredible. Yeah. Your business has gone uh, tremendously well. I've got another guy, Mike. He was a teacher making a hundred and something thousand dollars a year. And they're doing a couple of million dollars a year now, a few years later. And he's got a couple of dozen sub-teachers in his business. So I love seeing that kind of growth. But more importantly, you know, the numbers are great and the revenue is great, but that's really only one side of it. What we don't see is that a lot of people I'm working with used to be workaholics and stressed. And uh, now they get to take time off. They're more relaxed. They have more confidence and They have better relationships with their families and their friends. They're doing more hobbies and sports. A lot of my audience ride or surf or ski or whatever. They're finding the joyful fun that they used to have when they were a kid back as an adult. And I think that's sort of the unsung side of life these days. And and that's what work less, make more the book available on Amazon and Audible. It's about, hey, you know, maybe money isn't the only goal here, guys and girls. Maybe we're chasing all this money, but burning our our life up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I was going to lead to that book. I mean, because, okay, it sounds like you do a lot as well, but can you just let people know how many hours a week you would work on average? 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week. And you spend the rest of the time doing what? Surf every day. I spend a lot of time with my family. I cook. I watch Netflix from time to time. I I read books. We go for walks. That's amazing. Basically, it's it's amazing how you can fill a day with nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I worked very, very hard up until um, 
probably five years ago and started to sort of lean in more into slower living. I don't mm. mind cooking uh, some pork ribs with smoky barbecue sauce. It might take two hours to yeah. cook. And I'll just uh, mull around on my Instagram, on my phone, sitting on the chair out in my back deck. Uh, while I, this whole time, you know, while I'm doing that, my business is still making sales and ticking over because there's leverage. I'm not endorsing being lazy or doing nothing. To be very clear, I'm trying to have my investments go to work for me. Mm. You know, they're growing in value over time. My, my team is doing projects to help my business and they're happy to do that. They have a good life as well. They're very unstrict mm. in our business and our customers are getting great results and they want to be able to do what I'm doing. They, they don't resent me for being able to surf every day. Inspiring. They would prefer to do that instead of hustling, grinding, working themselves to the bone, you know, waking up at night in a cold sweat because they don't know where the next bill is going to be covered from. You know, they want to be in a really secure position where they have time freedom, they have money freedom, have relationship freedom, basically removing all the compromises that most people have. I love it, James. It's incredible. And that's why you're my business coach. And uh, just finally, so where do you see your business and life heading in the next few years? I really have set it to uh, sort of what might be classified as a semi-retirement mode, like a very sustainable mode. In short, I'm going to summarize more of my information into books and courses both of those things are leveraged. It's good for me. It's actually hard work to get the ideas from my head into a book structure. There's a bit of effort involved, but it's also going to be really accessible. Like thousands and thousands upon thousands of people have read my book and listened to my Audible. And it's good. I can have an impact. I get really nice emails from people and comments and you know, people have had transformations and it's nice to feel that. I guess it's, it's one form of feeling significant, <laughs> Yeah, which is probably a deep down human desire. And you want to leave a legacy. I'll continue to create courses because they are very leveraged. I will continue to coach people in a fairly leveraged way because we use a community and ongoing training. It's a good routine that I can sustain. I'll continue to do podcasts, but I'll focus more on topics that are probably even more deep, maybe more emotional, maybe open up a little more. People love it when I share more inside information, even things that I find boring. <laughs> like I was sharing my daily routine with someone the other day and I thought that was amazing. So that was interesting. And I'll continue to partner with the right businesses who I can add a lot of value for and I enjoy working with and who I trust and who want to be in that sort of very small club of sorts of business owners. That's sort of my investment strategy is to grow other people's businesses as if they were mine and to let them have the lion's share of it, which is kind of cool as well because those things last. Yeah, that's absolutely excellent, James. Well, thank you so much for this interview. Really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure, Greg. And you know, I need to say thank you to you. Without your design talent and inputs, my business would not be what it is now. When people come to my website, when they see our branded templates, when they download our materials, when they see my book cover on Amazon, when they go to my personal page, there's the touch of Studio One and Greg Merrilies in all of those projects that is setting up an expectation that wouldn't be possible if we hadn't put in the effort, if you hadn't done the briefs, if you didn't have such amazing design abilities, uh, we wouldn't be getting the results we get. So I appreciate that so much. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, hopefully there's years and years to come of that. So I'm sure there will. Be. Yeah, thanks, mate. We'll speak soon. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.